1900 were hesitant to embrace socialism because they associated it with European class relations. So he focused his attention on the utopian socialists of the antebellum era who mixed political rhetoric, abolitionist fervor, communal living, and love of literature. Debs often spoke of Ralph Waldo Emerson, Horace Greeley, and Henry David Thoreau. Debs knew socialism had to be seen through American historical and religious values. I like the 4th of July. It breathes the spirit of revolution. On this day, we affirm the ultimate triumph of socialism. In the span of a single post-Civil War generation, the 1890 census reported that 1% of the total population owned more of the nation's wealth than the remaining 99% of citizens combined. The 99% faced daily struggles for economic survival. Many were learning the ABCs of socialism from Julius Whalen's Socialist Weekly newspaper, Appeal to Reason. Whalen's editorials dispelled the misperception that socialism was atheistic, anti-individualistic, or opposed to American traditions. In 1897, he and his editor, Fred Warren, moved Appeal to Reason to Girard, Kansas. From 1895 to 1922, the newspaper began to publish many of the leading literary luminaries of the socialist movement, including Jack London, Mother Jones, Upton Sinclair, Helen Keller, and Eugene Debs. In 1904, Appeal to Reason commissioned Upton Sinclair to write a novel about immigrant workers in the Chicago meatpacking houses. Sinclair's novel, The Jungle, debuted in 1905 as a serial in Appeal to Reason. By 1910, it had a weekly circulation of 550,000, and during political campaigns and crises, single-issue printings reached as high as 4,100,000 copies, a world record at that time. What a great history. This is an excerpt from the documentary American Socialist, The Life and Times of Eugene Victor Debs, directed by Yel Strom. It's a 97-minute documentary film that explores the life and times of Eugene Victor Debs, a perennial presidential candidate between uh, around, what, what, maybe 1906 to 1920, a uh, prominent member of uh, the World Socialist Party, or the Socialist Party of America. He was also a founding member of the Industrial Workers of the world and somebody that uh, many people over the years have taken great inspiration from, from, from Ralph Nader to uh, Bernie Sanders. And of course, Richard Wolf is in this documentary as well. Friends, want to let you know that KPFA is in the middle of its end of the year fund drive, the time of year we come to you asking for a financial contribution so that we can keep this radio station on the air. What we're doing today is we are featuring this documentary film, American Socialist, The Life and Times of Eugene Victor Debs, as a thank you gift to you for a contribution this hour of $100. You donate $100 to KPFA and we will send you in the mail this documentary American Socialist. You can also get it by becoming a sustainer of $10 or more a month to KPFA. That means every month you would you would uh, you know donate $10 to KPFA and in return we will also again we will send you this documentary film American Socialist the life and times of Eugene Victor Debs such important history. The phone number to make that contribution is 1-800 
and online at kpfa.org. Again, it is the end of the year fund drive. And the way that this radio station has always operated going back to 1949 is by uh, asking listeners who could otherwise get it for free to donate what they can according to what they can. Look, we can still accept and be very happy uh, to accept a $25 contribution or a $50 contribution. If you do $100, well, our thank you gift, we will send you this as a thank you gift. Uh, we also got socks. We got uh, water bottles, bags with KPFA logo on it. Uh, sweatshirts. we got all kinds of things you can talk to our phone room volunteers about that we're also offering in this fund drive. And we do have a number of uh, people in our phone room right now who are donating their time and their labor to KPFA, doing their part. You can honor them as well by doing your part, by giving us a call and making a contribution uh, that you can afford. 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-439-5732 and online at kpfa.org. You know, something I think that is really important is, as we've seen this shift in opinions about socialism here really since the, uh, the, the economic recession of 2007, 2008 and its aftermath, uh, we have seen a shift that has made a presidential candidacy like somebody from Bernie Sanders, who I understand is actually in the latest poll leading in the state of California. And California is a big deal. We we possess the most delegates uh, in the nominating process, and we have been moved up uh, in the voting uh, schedule this year. So we're not going to be an afterthought by the time next year in the primaries. Uh, we're going to be voting in March. I think we're, aren't we like part of Super Tuesday? Uh, it's really important. The fact that Bernie Sanders is self described socialist who doesn't even register with the party, though he is running as uh, to be the Democratic nominee and has always caucused with Democrats uh, in Congress. Uh, still, nonetheless, if you go look in his bio, go look, you know, go 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 to the, the members section of, of Congress online and you'll see he's still registered as an independent. The fact that somebody who is a self-proclaimed lifelong socialist who has never wavered from it is now leading in California in the polls is really remarkable. And who's number two? Elizabeth Warren. So the fact that those are the two, number one and two, uh, uh, leading uh, folks in the polls at this point for the for such an important state about California really tells us we are in a different political moment, different political time that can produce something like a President Donald Trump and, and, and that can bring us fascist trends, uh, but at the same time, it produces this other possible outcome of of somebody running for president as as a socialist. So it's this really important moment in time we're living through right now. But I think the importance of this documentary film about Eugene Victor Debs is that there is a history of American socialism. There is a history of socialist politics in this country. And you see that with this documentary about Eugene Victor Debs. A really important film, I would say, that you may want to share uh, with folks in these months ahead. So the phone number again is 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-439-5732. And online at kpfa. 
www.americanpublicradio.org. We now turn to another excerpt of the documentary film, American Socialists, The Life and Times of Eugene Victor Debs. At your request, I will give my reasons for voting the socialist ticket this fall. I am a farmer. Two years ago, I was a Republican. I learned by reading the government's reports 50 years prior to 1904 that the working people of the United States owned 67% of the wealth of the United States. And in 1904, they only owned 10%. I figured from this that in less than 50 years from 1904, under the present form of government unmolested, the working man would not own anything. A reformed government being our only hope from capitalistic slavery, I joined the Socialist Party heart and soul. W.H. Nichols, Boswell, Oklahoma. We socialists are marching around the wall of Jericho, and on election day, we will sound the trumpet that will fail this wall and drive capitalism to hell from whence it came from. Dan Gandy, Hallettsville, Texas, January 13, 1908. The tour's most spectacular meeting was in New York City's Hippodrome. Over 7,500 people paid admission to hear Debs, while another 2,500 who could not get in waited patiently for Debs to greet them afterwards. President Gompers believes that the interests of labor and capital are identical or mutual. We do not. He believes that these interests can be harmonized and justice done to both. We do not. We believe that labor is entitled to all it produces and that labor must organize politically as well as economically to abolish the existing order. This was the final straw for Gompers, who in turn denounced Debs as the apostle of failure in the AFL publication. This was also the first presidential election when any party appealed for the African-American vote. Debs did not specifically tackle the problem of segregation, but treated the race problem in America in a broader framework of worker versus master, poor versus rich. Debs's attitude was considerably more favorable to African Americans than most socialists, and he insisted they were entitled to the full products of their labor with economic equality. I am a woman and cannot vote. I am compelled to pay taxes which I have no voice in appropriating. I must obey laws that I do not help to make. I would vote the socialist ticket this fall if I could, because socialism would give me the same privileges as all other citizens, and because air, water, land, and all necessaries of life should be free, publicly owned. A.E. Farrell, Russell, Minnesota. Unfortunately, the Socialist Party's million votes never materialized. The Socialists still retain their place as the third party of American politics, showing their greatest strength in the Midwest and Far West, and substantial increases in the coal mining regions of Pennsylvania and throughout Wisconsin and Oklahoma. 
In 1910, socialist candidates received over 700,000 votes for state and local offices throughout the nation. By 1912, the party reported its highest membership at 118,000, an increase of 40%. From New York to St. Mary's, Ohio, from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho to Berkeley, California, socialists were elected and working on behalf of their local working constituents. would prove to be an especially chaotic year for the Socialist Party. And the focal point was Lawrence, Massachusetts. In 1912, approximately 60,000 residents out of a total population of 86,000 depended directly upon the payrolls of the textile mills. Work in the mills was hard and dangerous. And families who had to make ends meet sent their children into the mills at an early age. Living conditions for these workers were horrendous. Wages were poor, housing horribly overcrowded, and the life expectancy of textile workers in New England was the lowest in the nation. Massachusetts had passed a law requiring a shorter work week. The law reduced the maximum weekly work hours for women and children from 56 to 54 hours. Lawrence's textile mill owners responded by reducing workers' wages by 3.5%. The average male worker earned $8.76 a week, while the average woman and child earned $6 a week. On January 11, 1912, a group of Polish female textile workers from the Everett Cotton Mills quit their looms when they received the unannounced wage cut. The next day, Italian workers left their jobs at the American Woolen Company, and by nightfall, the total reached 23,000. Employers cannot weave cloth from the bayonets of the soldiers, so keep your hands in your pockets, and we will wait out the bosses. On March 12th, after 10 weeks of strikers marching in the extreme cold and enduring clubbing and water hosing by the police and state militia, the mill owners agreed to wage increases of 5% for the highest paid workers and 20% for the lowest paid. Debs was nominated as the Socialist Party presidential candidate at the Indianapolis Convention in May of 1912. Emil Seidel, the socialist mayor from Milwaukee, was his running mate. And so what is really fascinating to me about Debs is the way in which even as he lost folks, as he transformed himself, what really was consistent was two things, and it served the basis of, a, of this widening appeal. One was is that his values rooted in that democratic culture and his demand that precisely to be viable in an era of corporate capitalism, it has to extend to the economic sphere. And um, what is really amazing is, is the way in which, as a socialist in 1912, for example, he received 6% of the popular vote. It's not, he's not going to challenge Wilson or Woodrow Wilson or, or Teddy Roosevelt in that election, or, or, or Taft for that matter either. But, but that's a significant, some one million voters who are saying, we want to explore a different way of constructing this new society.
Well, what Debs and the Socialist Party thought was the, was the breakthrough moment, 1912, when the party got nearly a million votes and, and uh, uh, 6% of the total, well, that turned out to be the high point, uh, and it was all downhill from there. But I think, I think they got more than, than was counted, because that was just the votes that were counted. A lot of Socialist Party ballots just went right into the trash. So I, I think they probably got 10%. really finding this documentary interesting as it goes along. You are listening to American Socialists, The Life and Times of Eugene Victor Debs, perennial presidential candidate uh, in the early 20th century of the Socialist Party of America, also a founding member of the uh, Industrial Workers of the World, the Wobblies, and and just his legacy here, going all the way up into uh, today's politics. Friends, we're going to get back to this documentary in just a moment but I wanted to let you know that we have a fellow listener, Dave in Shorewood, Minnesota, must be listening to KPFA, has called in a $480 challenge but has made it conditional. What that means, if we can raise an additional $480 between now and the top of the hour, that would be $960 for this hour. And what a great opportunity to get your hands on this documentary on DVD full of archival footage that you will not find anywhere else. American Socialist, the life and times of Eugene Victor Debs. The phone number is 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-439-5732. Of course, you can also pledge online at kpfa.org. This challenge begins now, and we, if we can, you could double your donation. We have five individuals going to their phones between now and the top of the hour, pledging $100 Getting this documentary, you can also do it on the installment plan, $10 a month uh, to KPFA. We will also send you this documentary film as a thank you gift. Double your donation if collectively we could raise this $480. The phone number, 1-800-439-5732, 1-800-439-5732, online at kpfa.org. Back to the film. Despite the home rest and continuing osteopathic treatments, Debs remained fragile both physically and mentally, forcing him to cancel his lecture tour in the West for the month of September. Instead, he went to a sanitarium in Estes Park, Colorado from October into the middle of November. My dear old pard, heavy frost last night and every night. Wish you were here. Had but one thought here. That is to get well and strong and want you to do the same. Don't write much, nor will I. When I get home, we'll make things hum. But we can't do it as corpses. Dead men cut sad figures in live rolls. You old hound, I shall beat you to a pulp on sight. Kisses to you and Gertrude and Marguerite. October 2nd, 1913, Estes Park, Colorado. outbreak of war in Europe in August 1914, American socialists found themselves divided again, this time over whether those socialists committed to internationalism could support their country in a war. 1915 found Debs faced with three major challenges. Would he accept the Socialist Party's 1916 presidential nomination for a record fifth time? 
Could he convince all Americans that getting involved in World War I was completely wrong? And most pressing, how could he help to overturn the wrongful murder conviction against Joe Hill? Joe Hillstrom was born in Gavla, Sweden, and immigrated to the United States in 1902, where he shortened his name to Hill. He was a migrant laborer, moving from New York City to Cleveland, Ohio, and eventually to San Pedro, California, to find work on the docks. He rose in the IWW's ranks and traveled widely, organizing workers under the IWW banner, writing political songs and satirical poems, and making speeches. People at Wobbly, socialist and union meetings all over the country sang his songs like The Rebel Girl, in honor of Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, and The Preacher and the Slave, in which he coined the phrase, pie in the sky. In January of 1914, Hill was arrested in Salt Lake City for the murder of a grocer and his wife. He was tried and convicted, and for the next 17 months, languished in prison while a massive campaign to secure a new trial for him gained momentum. The Swedish government, President Wilson, Samuel Gompers, Helen Keller, and countless others joined the campaign. But Utah's Governor William Spry denied him a new trial. Hill wrote a letter to the Salt Lake Telegram. I never killed Morrison and do not know a thing about it. This is the only fact worth considering. I worked hard for a living and paid for everything I got. And my spare time, I spend by painting pictures, writing songs, and composing music. Now, if the people of the state of Utah want to shoot me without giving me half a chance to state my side of the case, then bring on your firing squads. I am ready for you. I have lived like an artist, and I shall die like an artist. Respectfully yours, Joe Hillstrom. Dear Governor Spry, please allow me to say a word in behalf of Joseph Hillstrom. He was convicted upon circumstantial evidence, denied the right to choose his own counsel, while at the same time there was unquestionably a strong prejudice against him on account of his activity in the labor movement. I am confident you will grant him executive clemency. Joe Hill is not a murderer. He is a man, and the great state of Utah, where murder is so abhorred, cannot afford to take his life. I remain yours very truly. Eugene V. Debs, August 20th, 1915, Terre Haute, Indiana. Joe Hill wrote to Bill Haywood. Goodbye, Bill. I die like a true blue rebel. Don't waste any time in mourning. Organize. Could you arrange to have my body hauled to the state line to be buried? I don't want to be found dead in Utah. Hill was executed by firing squad on November 19th, 1915. Pretty touching to hear about the story of Joe Hill and how it was connected to that of Eugene Victor Debs. And of course, this documentary is called American Socialist, The Life and Times of Eugene Victor Debs. 
Debs. Friends, a quick update on that $480 challenge. At the moment, we've raised $100 towards that $480 challenge. If we can raise an additional $380, it would mean doubling that donation that came in from Dave in Shorewood, Minnesota. For a pledge of $100, our thank you gift is this entire documentary, 97 minutes long, American Socialist, The Life and Times of Eugene Victor Debs. The archival footage is amazing. The way that they are able to dramatize some of these stories over the past and what important history, our very own history, yours for a pledge of $100. You can also get it by becoming a sustainer by pledging $10 a month to KPFA. The phone number is 1-800-439-5732. And online at kpfa.org. This is the end of the year fund drive for KPFA. It's an important time for us to be able to raise the money to make sure that we will be on the air over just the next couple of months. We are truly a radio station. You know the saying, uh, paycheck to paycheck existence. Well, we are a fund drive to fund drive kind of uh, existence. Uh, Each fund drive determines whether or not we'll actually be able to get to the next one and do the type of broadcasting we do in between. So this is where the rubber hits the road, right? This is what this is very much a part of this great tradition of American uh, public broadcasting that you can make the argument began at KPFA back in 1949, knowing that there are people to support something on air that you know you can get for free. It's important that it remains free for everyone who needs it, regardless of their ability to be able to make a contribution. But that in order for that to work, it is dependent on folks who can make that contribution to KPFA to support this radio station today to do so. Today, we have this great thank you gift for you, uh, American Socialist, the life and times of Eugene Victor Debs for a pledge of $100 or become a sustainer of $10 a month to KPFA. 1-800-439-5732, and online at kpfa.org. We have two minutes to go trying to raise $480 to double a challenge that came in from Dave in Shorewood, Minnesota. $480 uh, uh, challenge, right? So that's a lot of money. Dave's saying, here's $480. I want to donate it, but shoot, I don't want to I don't want to hand over $480 and not have uh, the radio station be there next month, right? That's not that's not a wise investment. So it's community radio. So Dave is doing what he can. He's saying, hey, I, I here's $480. I, I could do it. Um, but let's see if there's other folks who maybe could pledge $100, $50, $25, whatever it may be. Let's see, you know, this is a radio station, right? You broadcast throughout the entire Bay Area and the Central Valley. I would, I would suspect there would be another five people who could pledge $100 or 10 people who could pledge $50 or, you know, you could do the math uh, uh, to match this. And you could do that together. We'll raise $960. Very much what we need. The phone number is 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-439-5732. And online at kpfa.org. We are now $275 towards that $480 uh, challenge. We are $205 away. Two individuals, really. 
going for this important documentary, a history that's very much about now as it is then. Um, uh, you, American Socialist, The Life and Times of Eugene Victor Debs. The phone number, 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-439-5732. Online at kpfa.org. Three people calling in right now. Uh, we may make it if they're all doing the $100 rate, but we don't know you can help Buzz know for sure by becoming the fourth caller, 1-800-439-5732 or online at kpfa.org. Thank you. KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and 97.5 K24ABR in Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 4 p.m. Stay tuned for Hard Knock Radio. One, two, three. 